0: High end over end variety, and Amati from his 45, he's got a lane, and he's got speed. Look out, beep, beep, the Ducks are in the end zone, touchdown! This is the Duck Pod, from the Register Guard
1: Newsroom. Gordon head-to-head head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion, they hand it off, straight!
0: Sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims.
1: All right, welcome to the duck pod. Ryan Thorburn here with Ken Woody. Ken, Oregon uh, beats Arizona 34 6, kind of in the ballpark of where we predicted. It looks like uh, Andy Avalos' defense is back on track, at least against inferior opponents, and Oregon's offense. Um, Sputtered at times, but had some really nice plays, some razzle-dazzle, a flea flicker touchdown. Justin Herbert was really good. Four touchdown passes. Um, The kicking game. Very suspect right now. What what are your kind of your takeaways after reviewing the film of that one?
0: Well, I'd hesitate to call them inferior offensively because coming into the game, they're averaging around 500 yards, and it was not all just through the air. It was on the air and on the ground, and you could see at times that Arizona had skill guys that could make that happen. But as you mentioned, Avalos defense clamped down. They played tough defense. I think they they missed some tackles that you'd like to make. Uh, you got to give credit to Arizona for having guys that are hard to tackle. J.J. Taylor, for one, I mean, he's like a human uh, ping-pong ball. And, uh, and he really
1: hurt them last year, too. He
0: did. He got over 200 yards. and I mean, he's only 5'9", five, 5'8", five, five, 190 pounds. He's he's really a, a gamer, as I guess you'd say. But Arizona's defense is not very good. It's better now than it was three games ago. Chuck Cecil's taken over and, I think, kind of solidified. They did some good things against Oregon's defense, which, you know, I just wish that Oregon, and maybe they're saving it for when they really need it, but an option would really restrict some of the things that defenses do against them. And it's not like you have to run it a lot, but just having it and showing it a couple times a game. And, you know, it's something you can do on fourth and one down by the goal line. You see a lot of times that's where an option really shines because it's tough to play man-to-man defense and still – cover the quarterback on the option without giving up running room inside. So I don't know if that goes against Mario's wish. I think sometimes he doesn't care how many people are lined up in there to stop the run. We're going to run anyway. That's To me, that's that's not a successful uh, uh, recipe. And, you know, Chip Kelly used to do what he did just to restrict how many guys could defend the run. And part of that was somebody had to cover the quarterback, The kicking game, uh, Javon Holland uh, lined up for punts uh, several times at 45 yards, even though the guy was punting at 30 yards. And towards the end there, he came up and misjudged the ball, and there was a fumble, big game like, you know, it wasn't that crucial in the game. They got it back. But you look at that and say, that shouldn't happen. There is an adjustment there they should have made. Field goal kicking, I – it's hard for me to find an excuse for missing those those kicks as we mentioned before i think a coach has always got to set up his kicker the best way possible and the fact that cristobal even decided to go for a field goal to me was like a major victory and let's not mess this up and sure enough the miss messed that up uh but the where camden was kicking from very most worst most worst, the worst possible uh, angle to try a field goal from that close. You would have liked that third down run to have been tried to the right to at least, if it failed, get it the ball in the middle. After that, it's totally on the kicker. The snap was good, the hold was good. Uh, the the he missed an extra point, something very similar. So he's like a golfer who's duck hooks one into the third base dugout, and now now that you do another one, and now you push one. So he's going through all that, and that needs to be squared away because the games are gaining in importance, and the the stage is getting bigger. The moments will get bigger. Uh, they're going to face an Arizona a State team that is tough. They've got character, really like their coach, very well-respected guy, and the, uh, someone who coaches talented people like that, they have the potential of playing great, putting it all together. You hope... This is not the week. If it is the week, the Ducks had better be ready to play outstanding football and probably better, especially offensively, than what they did this last week. And then Oregon State, I'm telling you, that that's going to be mortal combat, hand-to-hand, Oregon State. I watched them against uh, Arizona State, and they're scary offensively. And defensively, they run around and hit people. So you never know, especially in a rival game. So this is not the time to be worried about your place kicker, and I'm hoping they get that straightened
1: out during the uh, week. All right, well, let's go over some of your points. Um, You know, I I hear that a lot about Justin Herbert running, and and Mario has said since camp that they're not a run-the-quarterback operation anymore. And you can – quibble with that or you can look at what happened at alabama i know that wasn't a designed run he was rolling out to avoid pressure but uh justin herbert is uh you know going to be in the pocket or rolling out he's not going to be running the option but you think that would really be a difference maker for this offense?
0: absolutely talk to a defensive coordinator the thing that they they say is the most difficult combination to defend is a team that can throw the ball and run an option just because it limits the kinds of defenses you can do against both. You can, it's hard to run man underneath coverage on a passing down when you have a quarterback who can get out there and run. And, uh, you know, I'm, no one's advocating that, that Oregon have their quarterback run the ball all the time, but I'm telling you, the quarterbacks that you see getting hurt are getting hurt while they're running around on pass plays. I mean, we've seen a couple times, and there was one where Herbert got tackled around the legs on a pass attempt. I say the chances of getting hurt are more on a pass than a run. I say that from 20 years of coaching experience and 30 more years of watching football and talking to defensive coaches. The other thing is Mario needs to, to maybe modify his motto, which is we're a run-first team. They, it, hey, if you're a run-first team, that includes the quarterback. The guy is 6'6", six, 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 six. Six, 240. He's the biggest running back they have. And there are times where they're, you know, they're, they're trying to break an impregnable defense with some gnat-like guys that are, that are not big, they're not powerful. Verdell is, is really a fabulous back. He'd be better suited to the spread. But he's in there, and he's a great pass blocker. That's one thing about him amongst all the running backs around the league. He is really good, and that's tough because he's not very big. But he's a good running back, but he gets beat up, beat up. Uh, uh, Die gets his share of injuries. They're very, very, they are so fortunate to still have running backs left after being, quote, a run first team all,
1: all this time. If you'll recall, Oregon was four and one two years ago, and Herbert uh, broke his collarbone, and it was season over. So well, uh, I realize Tyler Shuck has a bright future, and, and it's not necessarily season over like it was then. <laughs> but, I mean, if Justin Herbert gets hurt uh, on a run, he's going to be second-guessed. Okay, well, way. what I would say to that is what, what was he doing on the
0: run? He lowered his shoulder and tried to run over somebody at the goal line. He, it was a, like a third-down play. He had the first down. Well, you don't need to be a hero, and that same thing, he got a concussion against Arizona. Yeah, they're same both at thing. the goal line. Yeah, and he's trying to be a hero. No, he's you trying don't. to score a touchdown on a designed run at the one yard line. It's not fourth down. You don't need to score.
1: Well, what are you supposed to do then? Advance the ball at the and get No, line? you don't slide. You get down and protect yourself. You don't try to run over somebody. Okay.
0: Believe me, it can be done.
1: Well, I think they'd rather have Cyrus Habibi Lecchio doing that stuff. Um,
0: well, oh. that. You know that's great. Uh, just they need a 230-pound running back. They need uh, Royce Freeman to do that sort of thing. And the thing is, we're talking about. Let's say you the the uh, Ducks. You saw him against Stanford last year. Hey, it's about the second play of the game, Herbert runs an option for uh, 30 yards downfield, and he he sees everybody who's going to hit him, and he didn't get hurt. The other thing is. Coaches can design formations and a, a play so that the quarterback's is 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 maybe going to end up pitching it. That's like a speed option to come down. and the, the Huskies ran that against uh, the Ducks, I think, for a touchdown. But the point is, when saying we're going to run the quarterback doesn't mean that you just like threw him into uh, a pool of piranha. There are ways that you can minimize how much. Uh, uh, possibility there is of contact and there's also times of minimizing whether he actually does carry it or not okay so if if they're worried about him carrying it that's one less guy to tackle verdell when you hand it off to him inside so so there okay
1: well <laughs> uh, what i like to see is Justin Herbert throwing the ball he's completing 69.6% of his passes this year that's up 10% from last year um, 2,600 yards, 28 touchdowns, and only three interceptions. This, despite uh, a myriad of injuries for receivers, tight ends. Uh, Brendan Schooler leaving this week. We found out that Micah Pittman's arm is in fact broken. He'll be out six weeks. Uh, what do you, who do you credit for Justin Herbert improving those numbers despite you know not only losing. Um, his number one receiver from last year but also working with so many different guys this year
0: well i think it's been good for him to work with so many different guys and different guys that have speed it's not like you know schooler was really the slowest uh appearing receiver and and he couldn't he couldn't beat people deep he couldn't drive people off he, uh, micah and uh some of the the uh the younger guys were superior in that way in my opinion i coach receivers He's got a lot of guys to throw to. And I think people get, guilt, get a little uneasy when the same guy isn't catching it all the time. Everybody wants to see Jawan Johnson catch the ball. I do too. But there are times when uh, uh, Red... Uh, uh,
1: Johnny Johnson.
0: Johnny Johnson and uh, our guy who ran down the Auburn guy. Ran down the Auburn guy. It, it, from behind, number 80
1: oh uh brian addison
0: brian addison hey i'm happy with brian addison being in there yeah. and he has not been in there as much because uh Juwan johnson has well now he'll play a little more they've got a lot of receivers that's the thing that people oh they haven't caught any balls well they haven't had a chance and they haven't had a lot thrown to them these guys were all four or five star guys when
1: they were signed so they're good right so yeah. let's turn him loose. So do you think last year he was kind of zeroing in on Dylan Mitchell
0: too No much? question. And he made, he made bad decisions. And it, I think that you guys in the media per, perpetuate that when you say his go-to guy. I hate that. The go-to guy should be well, the guy. he was gu- his go-to guy. I know. And there were times he'd throw to him when he was covered. And, and earlier
1: were... this year, it was uh, the tight end, Jacob Breland, and now it's clearly Jawan Johnson.
0: Well, he didn't ever throw to Breland when he was covered. So the point is, the go-to guy is the one who's open.
1: Well, the go-to guy is like, it's third and eight. I know Breland's going to probably be open here. Not if he
0: runs his little zone route at four yards and they have to punt. I, and we could argue about this all the time. But the point is, the Ducks have better depth at quality receivers than they have depth at quality running backs.
1: Yeah, despite all the attrition, when you look at it, Jawan Johnson, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red have really solidified themselves. As the starting lineup, and then you do have some talented guys behind them, as you mentioned, Addison. Now Josh Delgado should get some more action. Uh, Spencer Webb is basically a wide receiver slash tight end. He's really good player, so uh, it's been impressive what they've done despite some injuries.
0: Well, you're right, and I think the coaching staff has done a good job of getting those guys in a position where they are the go-to guys. You know, Spencer Webb has uh, he might even be a little faster than. Jacob Breland and a lot of times it's a down and distance that's gonna tell you who's gonna be open or who has you know how they're defending the rest of your offense so they have the nice thing is I believe they have a lot of go-to guys now and the fact that Jawan Johnson they they did a great job particularly in the first half of the Arizona game of using motion and different formations to get him in positions where he could really show his stuff a couple times against zone coverage couple times against man they use him on the the screen they got him for a a two yard loss once but he's a force and they're finding ways to get it to him and it's a design play you know it's a one man screen so he's going to get it but they put it around and i think that's made him a lot better passing team
1: so you mentioned camden lewis there let's touch on that a little bit because you are a place kicker and uh you know more about it than i do certainly but Take me into what's going on in terms of his roller coaster right now. Is it psychology? Is it technique? Do the two play in concert? What's going on with him being a hero one week and a goat the next?
0: Well, there's three things involved, because uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. One is the head. It's the psychological part and the the mechanical part. The two is the heart, and that's really the strength by which you hold all these things in and put it together. And then the third is the leg and again the the, those other two parts are going to affect your leg you know you know your ability to focus uh your determination your ability to slough off something bad and your ability to put some pressure on you to yourself to be as good as you can be and camden lewis missed some kicks that he should make and that's just the end result of it, is how long can you get away with doing that? You need to find whatever it's keeping you from being as good as you can be. I've seen film of him in high school. I saw a recruiting film that was made by him and his coach to show what he could do, and I'm sure Oregon looked at that when they recruited him. The guy has what it takes uh, kicking the ball to make it. Now, does he have the focus? Does he? And part of that is your coach. I complained a lot in the first part of the season that the Coach Chris Ball was choosing times to not kick field goals for making yards and points that are, were insignificant to the, out of the outcome of the game that, that might have been helpful to, to, make, to get his confidence. The fact that he called for a field goal on a two-yard line, hey, that's great. I know that's probably a concession to him. He didn't look happy when he made the decision to go. Like, oh, rats. Of course we're disappointed you didn't score, but still it's important to score. It would have been nice to run that play before to the right to get it in the middle. That's what a coach can do, but still it's on Lewis, and he needs to – the snap was good, the hold's good. Uh, he needs to find a way, and if he can't find it fast, and the coach has got to help him find it because they have an investment in him, but if he can't find it fast, they're going to have to find someone who can do it. And Catterman, I guess, is a backup kicker. And
1: Cattleman is the only guy really competing right yeah,
0: now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from Rob Mosley's reports on uh, uh, GoDucks.com, that he is competitive. He can kick a long ball and so on. Uh, you know, if he can't do it, then they, they got to look in the mirror and go, how can we get all these great linemen, a guy like Thibodeau at his position, and not, we sh- Oregon should have a quality kicker. I think they do. They got to find out a way. make that happen on a more consistent basis
1: well to be fair let me make two points i watch a lot of nfl games and uh just about every other kick you're like yeah he's not going to make that and these are you know the top 32 kickers in the world and they're getting paid to do it it's just a very difficult position i don't it's frustrating for everyone Uh, especially when your team misses extra points and field goals and and the other thing is you know Oregon's uh, own website. Of course, they're going to say everyone's competing well. They're not going to say, "Well, he yeah, actually, cattleman sucks too." Well, he, they
0: they actually put down the yardage of the kick okay. and that whether it was made or not. But you're right. Um, I went with the Eric Olson, local doctor here, who played quarterback at Oregon through the first touchdown pass at Otson. We went to a practice earlier this year, <clears throat> and it was a walkthrough, and so nothing was really going on. It was in the stadium. There are a couple guys filming it student assistants and uh you know we were saying what the coaches actually look at the film of a walkthrough oh yeah and we said well nothing exciting happened." said well the kickers uh before before this started were one for 11 and we looked at each other and went wow this is this year yeah and i think it was the week before auburn but you didn't know the circumstances not having seen it who knew was you know was it how serious was the drill blah 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 it's so right then I, m- I remember it going one for eleven that's not good that's not good so that kind of the way it, it looks like it could be well uh, based on
1: then lewis is five for nine he's really improved <laughs> so there he's developed
0: well one of those kicks was helped block by uh brock morton that's right it, his shin deflected to yeah so that that
1: that should be wiped out of there. Well, let's touch on the defense a little bit before we take our first break because they have some impressive stats. I know stats aren't everything, but that's six games now where they've held a team to, to single digits. That's uh, the most at Oregon since 1960. And then you have 19 different players that have been credited with at least half a sack. Uh, that seems like a lot. Well, it, <laughs> And 17 interceptions, uh, which is the most the program's had through 10 games since 1988. Uh, Andy Avalos getting it done this year.
0: Well, he, he's put together a, a good group. And, you know, you talk about who's the go-to guy on defense. Well, Troy died to a, a degree, but they got a whole bunch of go-to guys, and they're showing that with the stats. One of the things also, there are 19 different pass receivers uh, this year, they've done a great job of bringing young talent and getting them to work together. There is so much communication required today on playing defense. Uh, You see Arizona, the second play, they blew a coverage. Somebody didn't get it. Uh, That that sort of thing with with the complexity of offenses and the complexity that is required by defenses to match that, you know, you got to be simplified as best you can. But, the communication that goes on with these young guys and they haven't been around the system a long time is absolutely incredible. They've done a a really great job. Here's the one stat that I don't see. It's great. There are six games that they're held under 10 points. There's five games where they didn't give up a touchdown. And so the, you know, I could just see Avalos taking everybody down to the end zone and saying, boys, this is sacred space. This is what we defend. And uh, Anthony Newman, who's a color commentator up in Portland and a former all-pro all, all pro safety, played uh, at Oregon here, All-American. And he was talking about – I was asking him, when you get burned by a big play, what, he says, hey, look, it doesn't matter how many yards you give up as long as you don't give up the goal line. And that's really – I don't know if that's their mo- moniker but or mantra, but that's the way it's been. And people will get – they arizona had first and goal and they ended up you know backwards so that's awesome that is really awesome because as arizona didn't look like a great football team but they can score and to hold them without a touchdown was really a a big feather in their cap
1: all right well let's uh take our first break and then take a look around the pac-12
0: Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at Schwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at leschwab.com.
1: All right, Ken, we're back. Uh, Oregon is now 9-1 and overall, 7-0 and in the Pac-12. They've clenched the North division. They will play in the Pac-12 championship game on December 6th in Santa Clara, California at Levi's Stadium. Who are they going to play? Well, that's still to be determined, but it's looking a lot like it's going to be number seven, Utah. The Utes, 49, UCLA, 3. Um... Really an impressive uh, victory for the Utes over Chip Kelly's team. This team is starting to uh, really smother teams.
0: They are. I watched the first part of that game. UCLA got the ball and ran down the field just boom, boom, boom. They look like the Chip Kelly Oregon team. And then they had a turnover, and they had a couple turnovers. And their problem is they have a quarterback who in the – course of the Washington State game became a Heisman winner they also have a quarterback who at times is like trying to put out a fire with a gallon of gasoline things you get a bad play but you also lose the ball or the other team picks it up and scores so I think that's that game got out of hand but Utah's really good they are really good they're a tough tough group and it's very difficult to play in Salt Lake and it's hard to imagine them losing their last two games, one against uh, Arizona, I think, and then uh, also against Colorado. Colorado in the final. However, both of those two teams can can score. So Utah's got a fabulous defense, probably higher statistically than Oregon's and known to be more physical than Oregon's. And it probably is. They're a little bigger up front and so on. But I think the the Ducks would match up very well against Utah. And I'm hoping that that's how it ends up because that's it would really be what both teams deserve—a chance to play a really good team for all the marbles and whatever those marbles will go down the road. And I think that would be great for each team. It would be great for the league. Be great for college football. I'm really getting sick of hearing about the Southeast Conference. You know, I know they're good and all that, but they're they're overcovered and overinflated.
1: Well, Utah also 9-1, and but the reason they haven't clinched is, of course, they lost at USC early in the season. USC, since getting their doors blown off by Oregon, has won a couple games. They win 41-17 at Cal last weekend, and Cal has a pretty good defense. Keaton Slovis, every time I watch him on TV, is spectacular. Obviously, Oregon forced him into three picks, but that could end up being a really good win for Oregon.
0: I th- well, I think so. I think it was a good win. And they totally hoodwinked SC. SC was up for the game. It was a, their big signature game. Maybe they overdid that a little bit. I th- I think they lost their poise. We know the Ducks did, but the Ducks had uh, Herbert. And I think that uh, the lack of a running game really hurt USC. They, I mean, they made a few. I think they made only 91 yards in the game, but... Uh, Oregon in that in that instance Oregon is a real unusual team right now they have a prolific in quotes offense but running the ball they're still not the team that Mario would like them to be and it's it's all people are starting to be aware of the fact that Oregon doesn't have an elite running back and that's nothing against the guys that are in there they're lucky to have them they're brave guys they're talented guys but they're need to run uh what mario wants to do you need a couple backs away around 220 230 just like the guys that uh, ran at uh, alabama so that's that's a part that's missing and the fact that oregon is as good running the ball i think is a real attribute to the offensive line more so and to the the fight in the hearts of the running back not the you know the blazing speed or or talent I'm I'm still amazed at Travis Dye, how he gets going. Some his legs are going so fast. He makes he's starting to make better cuts, and and still you're just you're going wow. Just break that one tackle there, and it, there's there's not there's not a lot of breakaways. I guess is the way I'd put it, but they make some good yardage a lot of times because it's really been good blocking too. So there's Mario's empire is still not complete.
1: Yeah. I would argue they have the collective is pretty good though. Verdell, when he can stay healthy, is pretty dynamic. Uh Dye, as you mentioned, he's has a knack for finding the hole and and jitterbugging his way for, you know, big plays. Uh Cyrus has been good on the goal line, although he was stopped, which led to the missed field goal uh, against Arizona. That was probably a little disappointing and Perhaps Camden just assumed he was going to punch it in there, and he would wouldn't be kicking that field goal. Uh, And I think Darian Felix will be more of a factor going forward because he's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. And uh, you know, obviously, losing Pittman, there's going to be more balls to go around. So the collective, I think, is solid. But uh, yeah, they definitely don't have a Royce Freeman. Um, Another game that was a matchup between Oregon's final two regular season opponents. Oregon State 35, Arizona State 34. Herm Edwards goes for a two-point conversion to win it in the end. They do not get it. And all of a sudden, the Beavers have five wins with two games to play. So even if they lose this weekend, they're going to be fighting for a bowl in that Civil War. Is Jonathan Smith the Pac-12 Coach of the Year over either Crystal Ball or Whittingham?
0: I would say... <clears throat> That's a real good question. Uh, the, the winner of the Oregon-Utah game, maybe it's that coach and Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith, for all the fact that you press guys have been at the beginning of the season saying there's no way they're going to win more in two games and maybe not even two. He's done an awesome job there, but you look at who they're they're doing it with. I watched their game against uh, OSU, or Arizona State, and they can throw it and they got guys who can get open and catch it who are fast and I mean it's scary and you look there's somebody who could give you that could beat you if you if you don't do your game right now defensively they've shown uh, they were porous as paper early in the season and they've gotten better and better they got a couple guys the Ducks would like to have and I mean they're they're at that level and that yeah, the thing I've just seen so many civil wars where it doesn't matter how good or bad a team is because it's going to be a, a hell of a game, a, a con- tough contest that if you don't maintain your focus, you're going to get beat. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Herbert's freshman year when the Ducks lost, that was that was pathetic. The Beavers dominated them in the fourth quarter, and that's a game, and, and this actually applies to Arizona State too, you don't want a team like that to go into the fourth quarter thinking, hey, we got a chance to win, or we're now starting to run over them, which is what the Beavers did to the Ducks that day. It was just all of a sudden you're ordinary, and the other guys who are ordinary are supermen. So that's, and that really starts getting more to play towards the end of the season when there's a lot less for some teams to lose and a lot more for some teams to gain with – You know, you talk about the psychology of it. That really brings a big part of that in. That's why college
1: games and college rivalries
0: are so much fun.
1: Just uh, to push back on the media, um, yes, I did pick the Beavers last in the North in the Pac-12 preseason poll. Um, I think that was justified. They hadn't proven anything. I believe their win the other night was their first home Pac-12 win since they beat Oregon all those years ago. There was a stat early this season before they started turning around where San Diego State had more Pac-12 wins than Oregon <laughs> State over the last three or four years. So they were a mess, and I would definitely say Jonathan Smith is the coach of the year based on expectations versus results this year. Um, you know, I did pick Oregon to win the North. I picked Utah to win the South, and I picked Utah to win the Pac-12 championship. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, The last game, which we don't really need to spend much time on, Washington State blew out Stanford. Um, So the Washington State-Oregon State game this week in Pullman, the winner's going to go to a bowl game. You know, Washington State usually goes to a bowl game. I I think Oregon State's going to be the more motivated team there, but can they pull it off?
0: The whole question is is how Oregon State will cover the air raid, and that's a big part of it because Oregon State has the – Ability to score 40 on the Cougs. The Cougs probably have the ability to score 60 on the Beavers. So I I would give the uh, Cougars a little bit of an edge, but I wouldn't be surprised. And you know I'm I'm kidding you when I pick on the media because I mean I felt the same way. However, as an old coach, I I thought Jonathan Smith is a different guy than the guy before him, and he's he's an offensive guy. He's got some skill, people. They can do some things. And and they were not fundamentally very good on defense at all. You look at their schemes and you're going, geez, what are they trying to do? Well, they've, they've got better over the season, and it's just like the Ducks. The Ducks are a much better team right now than I thought they would be. They're still not as good as I'd like them to be because I can see how good they could be. And I think Mario refers to that at the end of the game when he said our players still think their best game is ahead of them. Well, I do, too. And hopefully they'll say that after every game here on out, after a win, because uh, the, there's just so much more at stake emotionally, psychologically, at, at the box office, all these things that make things get a little bit more interesting and tighter down the stretch. So I, I don't hold it against you, Ryan. I would have probably voted the same way you did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, too. I... Those predictions are made just to create clicks, basically, and it, it works out usually. So we're guilty of that as well. Um, but I do like preseason polls. Some people hate them. I like them because I like when people start getting excited about college football in July.
0: Sure, and when they're arguing about it, that's interest. So that's, that's good. The, the, my big thing before the season was the Ducks had such a miserable road record, even under Helfridge and Taggart and Cristobal – that that unless they could fix that, they were going to be a 7-5 or 6-6 six, six team. I believe that. And sure, you know, the only road game they lost, and, and Auburn is not a neutral place, that was a road game. They lost that, but, you know, looked pretty competitive doing it. And then beating Washington, that was a a huge step to, to beat a really strong, tough rival on the road, a hard place to play. And then, well, beating Stanford was... But Stanford has been kind of an injured animal the whole whole season through, can't score. But that, that Cristobal, his his greatest accomplishment to this point has been winning
1: on the road, and I hope I don't put the hex on this game well, because, yeah. yeah, I thought a good season would be ten and two because you have the four preseason at least circle games that were not in Eugene, Auburn, USC, Washington, uh, Stanford. We didn't know Stanford was going to be this bad. Those four, I figured you split those, 10 and 2, that's a really good second season for Mario Cristobal. I absolutely thought the same thing. If they could split those two, that would be reasonable given
0: the situation then and what everyone thought was going to happen. As it turned out, Washington, that's still a quality win, and so is SC. Uh, I'll tell you, I've seen SC now since the the Duck game, and they look a, a little bit different to me, a lot better on defense. And who knows what, what problem they had against the Ducks, but give the Ducks a lot of credit for creating some of
1: those problems. All right. Well, let's uh, take our last break and look ahead to the final road test at Arizona State. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at ducksports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the Ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, Ken, we're back for our final segment on the Duck Pod. Number six, Oregon at Arizona State this weekend, uh, Saturday night, 4:30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. So, Duck fans gotta like that, even though it's on the road. <laughs> Can settle in for a, a normal. Uh, kickoff time on ABC, no less. Uh, Oregon's starting to get a lot of attention nationally. They're in the mix for the college football playoff. Uh, the Sun Devils limp in at five and five. I think they've lost four in a row. How do you see this game? Oregon is basically a two-touchdown favorite.
0: <clears throat> I I think it could very well be closer than that. I think that the the here's the potential. You've got Arizona State's going to fill the stadium they're going to be rocking at the prospect of knocking the ducks out of the playoffs and uh, getting their bowl aspirations filled so they're playing for a bowl and they've got a, a quarterback not as uh, skitterish as UCLA's but they got two freshman quarterbacks who can throw the ball they can run they've got a running back who's really good they got guys on defense i think defense is their vulnerability uh, maybe defending the pass, so I would hate to try to think you're going to be too conservative. But to me, I would think that this game will test the Ducks' ability to react to bad luck, that maybe there, there'll there be a call, maybe something will happen where they'll get behind, and then how are you going to play? Are you going to incur penalties or are you going to? The interesting thing to me about Justin Herbert, ever since the Husky game, you know, we talked about, uh, well, the guy from Washington will probably outrank him. And then the guy from Washington State will outrank him. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at Washington State's quarterback since has gone down, and the Washington's quarterback has gone down. And, And here, all in that time, Herbert's gone steadily up, up, up. And he's, he's been off to a slow start in a couple games but as you look he progressively gets better as the game goes on and i think that's that's his strongest trait right now the fact that uh, they use a little bit of dipsy do even throwing the ball deep on the second play of the game w- was like a trick play so that's what herbert can do i you see them just throw a long one and it's complete why don't you try more of those and the more of those they do I think the better that everything else will be and that's offensively defensively they got to tackle better you know in the kicking game their kickoff coverage team is awesome and that's one reason the defense has been so good because of the poor field position other teams have had but their punt team punt return team I believe needs to do a lot better job of holding guys up because uh, Javon uh, Holland is every bit the threat that Mike Mikhail Wright is as a kick returner and first of all he needs to be at the right depth if the guy's kicking 30 yards be at 30 yards deep not 45 looking around and not getting your guys all the way uh, away from the ball when it's going to be short although four out of five get guys did, that's, that's good. But that's the kind of thing that will mess you up. A short kick bounces off somebody, big field position switch, crowd goes wild. Now, uh, you know, I've, I've been in situations as a player and a coach where when the other team's crowd gets on you, it's just no matter how good you are, it's, just, it's a weight on your shoulders. So you don't want that weight to get on your shoulders. Let's get after them.
1: So Herm Edwards, uh, one of his famous quips from the NFL was, you play to win the games. He backed that up by going for two against Oregon State. So I'm kind of expecting them to pull out all the stops, whatever trick plays they have, whatever blitzes they haven't used lately. I think this is Arizona State's Super Bowl, even though they play Arizona the next week. I think this is going to be a good game.
0: Well, you're right, and I think the thinking is going for two there. One, we kick off against... Oregon State we try an onside kick the percentages there right now are like seven percent with the way the rules are now on that but I think he felt we're gonna if if we kick the extra point we'll be lucky to go to to overtime that we may have a hard time keeping them from having a shot at a field goal to beat us let's say it goes into overtime we're gonna have to make a two-point conversion to win so let's just have it be now where they won't well, they would still have had a little time to come back. But, you know, I kind of admire that. If if that's your plan going in and that's what you decided beforehand, then great. If you called timeout and looked up in the stands to see what the chancellor felt and that's what caused you, then I,
1: I would don't like the decision. I think this is going to be like the USC game, not in the sense that Oregon's going to blow out Arizona State, but what I said before that game was that Oregon has Justin Herbert and – USC has an incredibly talented freshman quarterback, and if Oregon's defense can do what it does, which is get a couple interceptions, advantage Oregon. I think that's going to happen again. I think Oregon wins the turnover battle and wins probably, I'm going to say not by 14, though I'd say like a a 7 to 10-point win.
0: I think that's that's good, and you stated it very well. The Ducks have Herbert. Herbert is a better quarterback than either one of – asu's guys and oregon's defense is better than asu so you know put that together and you should have a victory
1: yeah it's like uh i mentioned this in one of my stories when oregon was playing the oregon women were playing the national team Uh, back in the day because diana tarazi was in here for that game the famous yukon player famous wnba player and back in the old days uh, Gino oriema when she was winning all those national championships would say, we have Diana and you don't. That's the <laughs> difference. And now, uh, of course, Kelly Graves has Sabrina and no one else does. And, and Mario has, you know, perhaps the best quarterback west of the Mississippi.
0: Well, and it might be east of the Mississippi. It's just that his team has a little bit different way. You know, it's like LSU. They're, they're a really good offensive team, but they've decided to feature their quarterback. Oregon, uh, and, you know, it's not Cristobal's job to develop Herbert towards the NFL, I think it's his, his responsibility to use his talents to the fullest. But people were complaining about the Ducks trying to run in the latter stages of the game. And The thing is, you're up. Your defense is playing good. Why go a little bit crazy just to entertain the crowd or get more points when you, when in doing so you might set up your defense for a bad field position or something? So if part of his strategy is to protect his defense, that's good. You need to do that, and that's that's something Don James did at Washington uh, for all those years, and it worked a, a more times than not against the Ducks. Got him a national championship, tied with Miami. Next year they uh, uh, beat Miami soundly in Seattle. So, and when I was at Washington State, we competed against him nine years. So he's he's a guy I think who has a lot to to show other head coaches younger about how to think about game management and those things. And one of his deals was, and he was a defensive coach, he said, we're not going to do things that put our defense in a bad situation. So,
1: Well, since you mentioned LSU and your loathing of the SEC, before we get out of here, let me ask you this. Since Oregon is in this position where they're in the mix for the college football playoff, um, as an old school guy, would you rather see them play LSU or Clemson or Ohio State in that new four-team playoff format, or would you rather see them go to the Rose Bowl?
0: Uh, LSU. I'd rather that um, and then let Clemson and Ohio State beat each other up and then play the winner of that. Uh, I think that LSU, the fa- I think Oregon has players that could make it hard for Burrow to be uh, uh, as great as he is. But, you know, he's a lot like O.J. Simpson in the, in the way that when we played uh, SC when Simpson was there, in two years he gained 120 yards in 50 carries against the Ducks. We, we held them to less, him to less yardage. And the reason we did is because c- we just focused totally on him and they didn't have the other wherewithal. But uh, John Robinson used to say, look, he's going to get his 180 yards you just got to make sure the quarterback doesn't have a good day. And the two games that SC lost, one up in Corvallis, Steve Soggy, the quarterback, was shut down, and O.J. still had a field day. They didn't even get a field goal or a touchdown when O.J. got over 150 in that 3 nothing game. So I think that LSU is the same way. You put the clamps on, on Burrow, and I think they would get impatient and maybe press the game in a way – that they haven't had to so far they've they've had their way they you know they're obviously exploiting his talents in in pursuit of the Heisman so you know that's that's why I think it would be real difficult for a quarterback to win a Heisman at Oregon because the, the, the system does not promote that and it's not anything against the quarterback but it's the fact that we're not going to put our defense in a bad situation. we got to run the ball. The fact that Oregon tries to run it, you can see in the second half of games that that pays off because they, the defense gets pounded. And maybe they're only getting pounded by four-yard runs instead of 20, but you still see the effects of it, and it's working. It's, it's really working, and I'm, my hat's off to them.
1: Yeah, I think most Oregon fans would agree with you. Go for the national championship, even if those three teams seem to have separated themselves from the pack. I did see a stat where, you know, basically Ohio State and Clemson are among the best defensive teams nationally stat-wise, but LSU is about 53rd or in that neighborhood. So uh, I think you're right. You want number one LSU versus number four Oregon, have number two Ohio State versus number three Clemson. And see what happens, but uh, I think Ohio State will have something to say over these next few weeks about whether they're one or two.
0: right, and they, and they get to play some tough teams. Uh, I, I've noticed that they played Rutgers in Maryland. Uh, I'd think that Oregon State could compete very well in the ACC. You tell me that that's <laughs> the 10. A, Yeah, the Clemson is a, a great defensive team. I, you know I don't know they, The fact that they play Wolford in the middle towards the latter part of the season and they still maintain their ranking in the country that shows that it's fixed they should have been dropped just for playing that game and this week guess guess who uh alabama's playing western carolina that's that's bogus that's just bogus they don't play the demanding schedule that the pac-12 plays pac-12 plays nine conference games now that's their fault but they play one extra conference game, which means six more losses for Pac-12 teams compared to the Southeast Conference. They also, every other year, play more conference games on the road than at home. You know, Nick Saban has not played a non-conference game on the road since he's been at Alabama. So come on out. You know, I'd love to play Alabama and Eugene. I don't care how good they are, but they'd find it's really hard to win here.
1: Well, Ohio State's coming here next year, so that'll be
0: fun. Oh, bring them on.
1: All right. Well, listen, uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. This was uh, a long one, but there was a lot to get to, and and Ken's great for doing these. Make sure you check out his analysis at ducksports.com, and all my work is there as well. We'll see you next time.